0: verses from John, chapter 14, they will appear on the screen, um, but I'm reading from the contemporary English version, so it may be a little bit different. So, chapter 14, verses 16 and 17, and then on to um, verse 26. I will ask the Father to send you the Holy Spirit who will help you and always be with you. The Spirit will show you what is true. The people of this world cannot accept the Spirit because they don't see or know him. But you know the Spirit who is with you and will keep on living in you. And then on to verse 26. But the Holy Spirit will come and help you because the Father will send the Spirit to take my place. The Spirit will teach you everything and will remind you of what I said while I was with you. And then the second Bible reading is taken from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. And again from the Contemporary English Version. On the day of Pentecost, all the Lord's followers were together in one place. Suddenly there was a noise from heaven like the sound of a mighty wind. It filled the house where they were meeting. Then they saw what looked like fiery tongues moving in all directions. And a tongue came and settled on each person there. The Holy Spirit took control of everyone And they began speaking whatever tongues and languages the Spirit let them speak. So just before I start, let's um, just pray. Dear God, thank you for helping me to prepare this sermon and service. Help me to pass on the message which you want preached. May my delivery be clear and easily understood. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, last time I um, was in the pulpit, so to speak, it was Pentecost. And so, obviously, we um, had a little bit about (coughs) Pentecost, So, this time we're going to carry on on the same theme on the Holy Spirit. And you can see we've got the first slide up. So, a little bit about the Holy Spirit tonight. And if I'm very good, then Edward will let me do another one on the Holy Spirit for a third one. So, but let's see how this one goes first. So, during the Middle Ages, in Florence, in Italy, there was a wealthy citizen by the name of Lorenzo de' Medici, and there he is, a picture of him, and uh, what a sinister-looking fellow he looks, really, doesn't he? He was a patron of the arts, and he was very proud of the grand plays and pageants he staged for the citizens of the area. Among his productions were several amazingly realistic religious pageants performed in church. But one Pentecost, Lorenzo went a little too far. He had his players reenact Act Two, where he tells of the tongues of fire, which I've just read out to you, and he used actual fire. As a result, The stage caught fire and the entire entire building burned to the ground. And one commentator said, the moral is clear. Pray for Pentecostal power, but don't try to manufacture it. So when I was preparing for my last time, I thought, no, I don't think I'll play with matches. And I'm not going to play with matches tonight either because it's a bit too dangerous. The people of God should always desire God's power in their lives, but the Bible tells us we don't have to manufacture that power. We don't have to stage a grand production or experience earth-shaking feelings of ecstasy to come into contact with the Spirit of God. Because God's Spirit is right here. He's inside of every believer. We don't have to go through mental or physical or spiritual gymnastics to have God's spirit because he's there with us all of the time. Paul tells us, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we may understand what God has freely given us. And he tells us that in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. So, if you are a Christian today, you have received God's spirit. He's dwelling right inside of you. And he has some very specific purposes to accomplish in your life. Now when I was preparing for this sermon, I put into Google, as you do, Holy Spirit purposes and up comes all these uh, wonderful reasons. So I want to focus on just a few tonight and then a few more next time. The Holy Spirit has many names. Some translations call him the encourager, the advocate or a companion. So why have we got these different words? Well, the Greek word is parakletos, which the literal meaning means one called alongside. The Holy Spirit comes alongside us to bring the counsel of God into our lives. He comes alongside us to help us in every situation we encounter. Simply put... The Holy Spirit is there 24-7, 365 days for the child of God. So, let's specifically look at four roles tonight. So, let's see if this works. All that way. Again, there we go. Number one. He's our guide and teacher. Jesus said of the Holy Spirit, "But when He, the Spirit of Truth, comes, He will guide you into all of the truth." And that's from John chapter sixteen, verse thirteen. Reading through some of the uh, the books uh, in f- to prepare uh, from this, I read. A nice little little title, The Layman's Library of Christian Doctrine on the Holy Spirit. And Wayne Ward has this to say. When Jesus promised that the paraclete will come alongside us, he meant that this one called alongside us will be available to help us with our deepest need. If we are stumbling and trying to find our way, the paraclete, will be our guide. When we are trying to understand a passage of scripture, the same spirit who inspired it will come to be our teacher and unfold its meaning for us. This is the glory of the wonderful Paraclete. He will come alongside us to help us in the way we need him most. Now, the Holy Spirit has access to all the wisdom and knowledge of God. When we abide in him, he leads us continually into truth, causing us to grow and mature spiritually. He is our teacher, and those who depend on him will know where to go and what to do because they are following his heavenly directions. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 tells us, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God, or daughters. If you are a child of God, you have access to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. He's the best guide ever, because he has all the information you need from the past, the present, and the future. Now I'm old enough to remember when people didn't have GPS software on their phones or on anything else. We, had, uh, we actually had to keep maps and road atlases in our cars because we needed those to find out the way to go, we didn't have the sat nav. So looking back at the old days of, of maps and not having anywhere anybody to tell us, turn left at the next junction, we I do wonder how many of us found our destinations. The Holy Spirit is like our internal GPS, our internal satnav, except that he never gets confused or offers wrong information. Now, personally, I quite often forget to consult this internal GPS. I'm so keen on doing what I want to do that I forget that I need to consult that and find out what the Holy Spirit is guiding me to do. So, there is a challenge for all of us. Firstly, We have to want to hear the guidance in the first place and then, if we do, we must learn to discern his voice and his subtle nudgings. Now, that's all very well for somebody to stand up here and say, yes, we've got to do this, we've got to do that. Well, how do we actually do that? Firstly, I would suggest regular prayer time where we listen as well as talk secondly I would suggest that you talk to a mentor if you've got one house group leader which I'm sure you've got one or prayer partner what's their opinion of what the Holy Spirit is trying to say to you thirdly You might compare it to scripture do you think what the holy spirit is saying to you is that in line with what scripture says and finally allow the holy spirit to speak to you through sermons and teaching of others and think about okay how does that apply to me So that's number one. Number two, he gives us spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit is also the one who gives spiritual gifts to all followers of Jesus so that we can all play our part in the body of Jesus. Paul gave us a sampling of those gifts in his first letter to the Corinthian church. He says, to another, prophecy, to another, distinguishing between spirits, to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. It is through these gifts of the spirit that, that we function best as the church and it is through these gifts that we are able to proclaim the power of Jesus to people who desperately need to know our savior now in our last church before we came to Chipping Camden we had a questionnaire to discover what our spiritual giftings were now It's a bit of a blunt instrument really and it obviously needed backing up with other avenues but it did encourage people to step out in faith. So we do need to discover what our gifts are and use them in his service. So how might we discover what they are? Well firstly I would suggest spending time in prayer asking God to reveal to you what your gifts might be. I would also suggest that you talk to your mentor, your house group leader or your prayer partner to see if they can identify what your spiritual giftings are. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit empowers everybody to proclaim. Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit while he was in human form. In Luke three verse twenty-two, we see Jesus baptized in water and filled with the Holy Spirit at the same time. In Luke four fourteen, we see Jesus returning in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. Then in Luke 4, 18-19, Jesus quotes Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2 and claims that verse for himself. He was going to work miracles, heal the blind, lame and deaf. In other words he will begin a miraculous ministry. It's interesting to note that in the Old Testament, there are no records of miracles like healing of the blind, the lame, the dumb, or the casting out of spirits. When Jesus performed these miracles, it was a sign that he is the Messiah, the anointed one prophesied in the Old Testament. Now remember that Jesus worked all these miracles only after he was filled with the Holy Spirit. For the first 30 years of his life, there are no records in the Bible that Jesus healed the sick. In Acts, Luke recalls over and over the crucial role the Holy Spirit played in the early church's proclamation of the gospel. When Peter and John stood accused before powerful leaders, Luke reported that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and boldly proclaimed that Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the one they had crucified, was the only way to salvation. This is the same Peter who only two months earlier had denied Jesus. And now, standing in the very place where Jesus had been condemned, Peter accused these religious elite that they had crucified the Messiah. That new boldness could only be possible through the empowering of the Holy Spirit. So, we too can be like Peter and boldly proclaim Jesus when opportunities arise the key thing is to recognize these opportunities when they do present themselves and not to bottle out but draw from Peter's example now I don't know whether you've come across Jeff Lucas but Jeff is a um, pastor who works part of the time in America and part of the time over in England. And he's written a lot of um, great books, but I thought I'd just share with you an example of when he had the opportunity to share with the, the gospel with somebody and how, like us, he was very reluctant. And he expresses himself so much better than I can, so I'm going to read directly from his words. And I do apologise if I use one word, which might be a little controversial. Airline seats are designed for people with only one buttock. I have a full set of two. I squeezed both of them into a seat on a flight band for Manchester and searched quickly for the missing end of the seat belt, which had mysteriously disappeared beneath the person sitting next to me, who had apparently been blessed with five buttocks. I buckled up with a comforting click and sighed with relief. I plan to make full use of the short one-hour flight, time to read, nap, think, pray. I took out my book, Christian, the aeroplane took off and the flight attendants began their eager distribution of salted peanuts, ideal fodder for the dehydrated environment of an aeroplane. Suddenly, I became aware of the man next to me staring over my shoulder at my book page. I had become intimately acquainted with him momentarily in my seatbelt search, but hadn't really noticed him. Lobbing another peanut into his mouth, he spoke, What are you reading? My brain leapt into gear, swiftly considering a suitable response. How could I answer this man's question concerning my reading material with subtlety? I cleared my throat and responded, it's a book. The man gave me a look that he had probably not used since the sad day when he discovered he had been created with a bottom extension. Yes, I noticed that. What kind of book is it? Panic. How could I now proceed to disclose the subject of my reading without giving my fellow passenger the impression that he was parked next to an evangelical Hare Krishna? Um, It's a Christian book. When you say the word Christian very, very quickly, it comes out through pursed lips as Christian. Really? About what exactly? Um, About God. The same principle applies to God, mouthed at speed. Right, so then, what do you do for a living? Every muscle in my body immediately locked tight with tension. I um, teach, I said, and inwardly congratulated myself on the answer, which sounded so much better than minister, vicar, sort of, or church leader. Oh, you're a teacher then. He replied instantly, vaporising my sense of self-congratulation and causing fresh sweat to break out on my brow. No, I'm not. I uh, preach, teach about God. And feeling a glimmer of boldness in my heart, I added, I'm going to a Christian meeting tonight to speak. I settled back in my seat and my interrogator went quiet, momentarily. And what exactly will you say to the people about God at tonight's meeting he ventured? So I told him. He didn't cast aside his peanuts, hurl himself headlong onto the floor and cry out for forgiveness. But he did listen and ask questions and I had the opportunity to spend some quality time passing on the great news the love of God. But after I got off the flight it occurred to me that the poor man had almost had to resort to torture and threat in order to get the gospel out of me. I was so determined to be laid back and inoffensive that I had lost the eagerness to pass on the news that sometimes delights and sometimes offends. So we need to recognise these opportunities and not be like Jeff where people have to try really hard to hear the good news from us because let's face it, most people won't persevere. Fourthly, he guarantees our hope in heaven. God's spirit marks me as belonging to God. He's the seal of salvation. When God looks down from heaven on you and I, he sees his spirit and knows us to be his son or daughter. Now, Satan wants to destroy our hope and tries to get us to doubt our Saviour's love but the Spirit's leading, teaching, gifting and proclaiming is proof that we belong to God forever. Now, I had a um, set of circumstances which made me realise that Jesus definitely does love me. A few years ago, I found myself in a very um, unusual part of New York I think it was in the borough of Queens it was not a very nice area it was a um, very um, down-at-heel hotel and the hotel decided to throw me out at one o'clock in the morning and I was on my own and there were no taxis around a cab pulled up it wasn't a yellow um, taxi cab it was a private car being driven by a private individual and i was very much in a vulnerable position and i prayed like mad and i did get myself out of that situation obviously because i'm here Um, but that really brought it home to me that Jesus and Holy Spirit does love me. So, what else can we do? We don't need to get ourselves into tricky situations. We can spend time in His presence, worshiping Him regularly and reading the Scripture. And that will enable us to see this more clearly and for something for you to take away you've got the 66 ways God loves you so you can take that away and if you ever start doubting that um, we are not loved then put it on your fridge and look at it and you'll soon see that he does. So. What have we been reminding about the Holy Spirit this evening? One, he's our guide and teacher. So he guides. He gives us spiritual gifts. He gives. And he guarantees our hope in heaven. And he enables us to proclaim. So in other words we could shorten that to the three g's and i'm not referring to phone technology so guides gibbs guarantees so what does this mean for us in camden in 2017. if you notice i mentioned the need to pray and read the bible throughout the sermon we need to pray regularly and read scripture frequently to enable the Holy Spirit to accomplish all the things in our lives. Now, I always say that sermons come with a self-addressed envelope. In other words, they always apply to me. So, this is something that I need to do more frequently, and maybe some of you here would agree as well. So, with that in mind, let us pray. Father God,